Reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Yes, let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It is the 20th of February, March of 2023. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo for the best damn combat sports, maybe even sports podcast in the world. Thank you so much for joining me. As I mentioned, Luke Thomas here. I was joining you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by the the AA himself, the king of CT with all the CTE you could possibly stand. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. Hi, Luke Thomas. I mean, does does porous dieting for you know multiple decades lead to CTE? I don't know. It leads to a, a, a black liver. I'll tell you that much. But uh, you know, it must be the factory water I drink. Hey, but happy to be back at it. Monday, Luke, UFC 286 in the rear view, but a lot to talk about today. And obviously, we start banging that drum, Luke, for all things, right? Caleb Plant, David Benavidez this Saturday. Uh, maybe even all things uh, you know. Corey Sanhagen against that other guy, Luke, you know? Yeah, uh, Chito Vera. Is that who you meant? Chito Vera, that's, that's Saturday as well, but yeah. Marlon v- Vera, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's remind everyone, Showtime.com to get the regular Showtime, 30-day free trial if you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. You know the drill. But for this weekend, BC and I are going to be on a bird. We're going to go to Las Vegas for Caleb Plant versus David Benavidez. That'll be on Showtime.com slash PPV to get your orders in for that that is going to be a hell of a good time but, but as you indicated bc great boxing weekend and of course there'll be some ufc we'll get you ready for that as well I mean, look, could we pick a a busier week to slide into to uh most eisley spaceport there uh, uh las vegas there sin city we're talking about what uh wwe smackdown taylor swift at the damn dome the ncaa tournament in vegas pay-per-view boxing john cougar mellencamp big week luke okay where where is where is uh what's that song outside the taste of freeze where is where is old melon camp gary bomb yeah yeah he's been closing with that lately luke 71 years old he's still rocking you know i want to go to that show but like do i want to play you know 250 dollars vegas prices i mean do we know anybody maybe the maybe the doorman's a donk luke okay i I I need my johnny cougar all right I heard that the ticket prices for like these UFC shows, oh, like the average UFC ticket price was like 500 pounds or something, something yeah, insane. People telling me it took them a thousand just to get in the building for shitty seats. And they're saying, look, great atmosphere, great experience. Luke, you know, start to finish a big time pay-per-view, the UFC still delivers, but they are in full on gouge mode. And, and yeah. I don't think enough, I don't think enough people are talking about it. Like, you know, it, it's their right. Look at the Super Bowl. Look at a lot of things. But they're doing it every month, sometimes twice a month, Luke. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get in there. But is it worth it? Uh, at least once, I'll tell you that much. You know, People are paying for it. I mean, I hear a lot of complaints about it. People are paying for it. So as long as they're paying for it, that's the thing. UFC is out there bragging about bre- breaking all of these uh, records for the gate, which I believe. But it's coming at some expensive prices. I don't I don't think... Um, Luke, I don't is think... this a counteraction to the idea that they're not necessarily anymore in the pay-per-view promotional business because of the ESPN deal. So they've looked at other ways to max out revenue. And one of those is putting more big name fighters in their home area and then driving up the gate and the ticket prices. 
There's something to do with that, I uh, I suspect, although I don't think it's just a counteract pay-per-view. I think it's also like they looked around and saw that like ticket prices in general are high. And so this is just what the, the market will bear at the moment. I don't know how long sure. that's going to last. Because if you go to any concert right now, ticket prices are just stupid, insane. Stupid. Yeah. So uh, I don't think it's going to last very long. Speaking but either of way, concerts, Luke, Saturday night, Philadelphia, you, you had yourself a time, didn't you? I did. I went and saw Vinny pass. By the way, BC, uh, I meant to tell you, uh, I was supposed to. Uh, there was a chance I was going to meet up with him ahead of time, or at least on on the concert night. It didn't work out, but then he wrote me and told me he was going to make it work later. So I was actually really happy to hear that. But either way, yeah, I got to see the last, probably the last Philadelphia performance by the great Philadelphia rapper himself, Vinny Paz. And uh, BC, I got recognized a couple of times uh, when I was there, oh, which shit. is kind of interesting. Did you have the the MK Bomber on? It was too cold. It was too cold, so I had different. <laughs> I had different gear on. But one of the guys who came up to me, <laughs> this is true. He came up to me and he goes, uh, "He goes, are you Luke Thomas?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "Oh man, you know, I'm a fan of MK. Like his wife came down and she was like, he makes me watch everything. So it started off great, and then he goes, "Yeah, man, I know you get like, uh, you know, tons of hate out there. Boy, the world just fucking hates you." He goes, "But uh, but I like you," and I was like. <laughs> Oh, okay like, i mean i didn't really you know that 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 uh that intro i didn't necessarily need but i appreciate the support just the same too much robert thomas tone in that one please all right you know you i can't quite tell but uh, anyway it was a great time and i'm happy to be back speaking of which bc we should remind folks we have to get to okay bet here in just a second see who's going to be going to one of these damn concerts <laughs> in, in addition to all the things i mentioned on showtime of course, the merch. You can go to morningcombat.store. You can get that bomber jacket. You can get BC's shirt, BC's hat. Lots of good stuff. It's all available there as well. Uh, BC, now we should get <clears throat> to it now. We've got to start things with OK Bet. Let's kick things off here. Before I mean, we do get we have to, Luke? I don't think you and I are anything close to on fire in this category at the moment. No, I am decidedly mediocre, and you are decidedly bad. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's the MK experience, from mediocre to shitty. Uh, all right. So we both thought Kamar Usman was going to win. That's an L in both directions for our main event, uh, main card pick. Our main event, I should say. For our favorite, I picked Vittori to win. I scraped by on that one, but I get it. You picked Fazeev. I thought it was a good bet. He was winning. Some of the scoring in that fight, by the way, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Some of the scoring in that fight and the Vittori fight, a little bit suspect, but okay. Well, look, are we talking about Paul Sutherland? Is that what we're talking about? Because he yeah, had not, a hand in great. all of those. Yes, yes. Uh, so here's the one that gets kind of interesting. I called, I think, uh, for the underdog, I thought I had Jai Herbert was going to win, and you had Mayas, which you, you scored on, so good for you. It ended up being a draw. So BC and I agreed that in situations like this, for picks like this where – it ends up being a draw where you don't get a winner either way. Technically, by gambling rules, you would lose. But for this game, we're going to consider that a draw on the record. So I get a like a, a blank blank in one now. Uh, okay, for over under BC, we I thought that Mokaya Filio would take the under. I was right. You had Ramirez versus Gabe going under. It was canceled, so that's no longer on the board. And then lastly, I mean, what the hell was I thinking? Juliana Miller versus Veronica Hardy ends in a sub. It did not. And then you had Mokaya versus Filio ending in a sub, which you win, which brings this weekend. You went two and two. The well, well no, doesn't count the Ramirez versus Rosado because it didn't happen. And we got a, a draw for me in uh, my underdog pick. So I went two, two and one. You went two and two. It brings my record to 2018 and one. It brings you to a whopping 15 and 23. Your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm doing great, but Luke, you know, <laughs> it, it, like we talk about the arc of this show, right? You know, start off disliking me, 
find a reason to love me and then, you know, hate both of us. So uh, I think by the end, Luke, I can turn there, at least by the middle portion, I can turn this thing around. But, um, uh, you know, I've taken some chances and then I've tried to play it safe. And either way, I still suck at it. So uh, we'll see what happens. But <laughs> shout out to uh, Zerto Ramirez, by the way, for coming in like eight pounds overweight. <laughs> no, they no, can't... 12, 12. Well, 12 turned out to be an error, a misprint, but it was oh, something good, like good. 7.8. They canceled the main event. Then they bump up the co-main event, and Jojo Diaz misses weight by three pounds. Then they had technical difficulties, and the main event almost didn't come off because of production issues. And then it did, and he got upset by the husk of Mercedo Hesta, the uh, the next Manny Pacquiao, who, who the last time we said that term was about 15 years ago. So, yeah, it wasn't a great night over there, Luke. But, uh, okay, bet. Okay, I'll see you at that concert at the end of the year. And I got a lot of time. I, got, I just need new strategies, I think, at the end of the day, Luke, you know? Maybe go against yeah. my 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 knee jerk reactions, and then I'll be on top. Yeah, well, I'd I'd like to shit on you, but again, I'm only better than terrible. That's what I am, yeah. Luke Thomas. Better than terrible. There yeah, you go. You, that's that's the story of my life. All right, like, BC, I'd, li- I'd like to welcome you to my Cleveland steamer, but I you know I don't take those offers. Look from co-host, believe me. Okay, I bet yeah. you don't. All right, with that in mind, let's get the show started here. Topic number one, BC. We start where else? Today's going to be a UFC 286 edition, if ever there was one. So we start with the obvious one. Leon Edwards defeats Kamara Usman via majority decision. It goes to full five. BC, I thought this was the performance of Leon Edwards' life. I never thought I'd ever seen him look better than I did here. Tell me, what is the story of this fight and now this rivalry? Uh, the story of this fight is that there, there, there's times when two fighters that end up being a part in a rivalry cross pass. In this case, you had a very early time they crossed pass in 2015. It turned out to be a clean and clear win for Usman, but in fights two and three, it's weird. It turns out to be a little bit like what we talked about in terms of Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn crossing pass. At one point, the second fight, they were very close, right? After the first fight, Usman was a far better fighter, more advanced on the come up, but that has changed. And that has changed. uh, I don't want to say dramatically because one thing you can't, miss when looking back at Saturday's main event was that it was a close fight, a competitive fight, a fight that had certain elements of drama lingering over it, even though it wasn't an all action necessarily back and forth affair. But at this moment, Luke Thomas, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me in the entire lead up to Rocky Edwards ascending this throne and now defending it uh, against the former pound for pound King is uh, he's better than Kamara Usman. And at the moment, he's the best welterweight fighter in the game. And what will that change in the long run? That's going to be up to Rocky. But for this moment, uh, we both got it wrong. I've severely got it wrong. And Rocky Edwards, whether it's a, you know, in the end, Luke, it may be a combination of everything. Age, the part, the the mental advantages that Leon took over from Kamaru in the transaction of that second fight. But either way, Leon Edwards doesn't win it in the manner that he does on Saturday if he didn't grow even more from their rematch, step into a higher level of confidence, work on the takedown defense, all that. At the moment, Luke, he's a better fighter, and I think he proved that on Saturday. He is a better fighter. I mean, this was the performance that I was waiting for. You know, uh, this was this was what I was waiting for from Leon Edwards. If you just look at the second fight, it wasn't that it wasn't competitive. Surely that it was. And, of course, Leon wins in the end. I don't mean that exactly. What I just mean was, you know, Kamaru was the better fighter for the majority of the duration of that bout, rounds two, three, and four in the in the rematch. And Edwards, again, had sort of moments of clarity. He had, again, the takedown and the mount in the first round in that second fight. But overall, just could not compete 
up until the fifth round where he had this moment of inspiration. And again, nothing accidental about it, but he was down. He was down. That guy didn't show up on Saturday. That was the performance of Leon Edwards' life, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen a lot of talk about the decline of Kamaru. Yes, I am willing to entertain that a guy who's going to be 36 in six weeks or so, something like that, uh, two months roughly, has uh, in, in this kind of division, with all the wear and tear he's had, is not going to be the same kind of guy he once was. That does not explain the result. That helps explain the result to a degree, yes. But the real story is the technical and strategic maturation of Leon Edwards, both in strategy. Here's what I mean. He was so much better. We talked about it, BC. Where did this fight have to be if you were Kamar Usman? It had to be pressure. You had to get Leon up against the fence. He just, Leon Edwards denied him so many times. How many times do you see him up this way, framing off of that arm, and then circling away, not, uh, not doing this, the double hands, and then going square against the fence. So he had a much clearer sense of, of that. He was moving side to side more often, not just side to side, setting up the stance, which is off the side to side, setting up a lot of the kicks off the side to side. So that was huge. He had this all this motion, all of the striking game built in. His punching was not very good, but it didn't really need to be. He had some success with it, but that range, it con it constantly kept Kamar Usman having to reset, having to follow, having to chase. And BC, there's two more stats I really want to get to here that I think are important. And you got three fights to go through so you can really see how this evolution changed over time. Namely, in the first fight, Leon Edwards gave up, uh, I think, six takedowns out of 13 in just three rounds. In the second fight, he gave up five of 12 over the course of five rounds. I think there was a 10 minutes and some change in the first fight control time. Again, three rounds, 10 minutes and some change in the second fight. In other words, even though the second fight was five rounds, it statistically more or less added up to some of the same kind of effort from Kamaru. But by the third fight, he went four for 15, four for 15, and had only five minutes of total control time. His ability to stop the takedown, create separation, get off the fence, use lateral movement. The kicking game was dynamic, and BC won more. This is huge. In the first fight, Leon Edwards landed three leg kicks. In the second fight, he landed 13. On Saturday at UFC 286, he landed 50. 50 leg kicks. That is so important, not just for adding volume and then slowing Kamaru down, making him hesitant about how he was going to press, but also just it allows uh, Edwards to hit and go. You saw it all the time. Folks, Leon Edwards won this fight by being the better fighter from the beginning until the end with a couple of different moments for Kamaru in the middle. This is so unlike the rematch, utterly unlike the first fight, and it's because of the growth of Leon Edwards, a most deserving champion in my mind, Brian Campbell. Dude, Leon literally shut down everything Kamaru tried to gain success on, and then in most cases sort of doubled down on, on, on just shutting. Here's what I mean by this, okay? It's not just shut down the wrestling, or when he was taken down, got back up, or like you said, when the fight lured into the areas that were more advantageous for Kamaru, which is pinning Leon back against the fence, Leon never got overwhelmed outside of that portion uh, where he was taken down and, and you know, Kamara was throwing those quick left hooks as Leon covered up. And Luke, you mentioned that maybe Leon striking wasn't, you know, great or excellent, but it was formidable. Here's where I thought it was really good. If you go back and watch the beginning of that first round, when you think about it, you've got a Kamara Usman who is trying as hard as he can to reestablish the, the dominant to, to show Leon that I'm the dominant player in this rivalry. I beat you in the first one and I was beating you in the second one 
before the mistake happened, before the Hail Mary, as he called it, happened, whether you agree with that framing of it or not. But as soon as Camaro comes out hot and getting right in his face at the beginning of rounds, getting right in his face, Luke, to open the uh, the introductions of his name, of, of course, of which you had that moment where where Leon puts his hand out, meets him right there and does the, you know, the the one the, the headshot dead thing is look at when Camaro came out looking to be aggressive with that jab. What did Leon do? Countered the jab with two and three punch combinations right away, showing mm -hmm. Kamaru essentially that you won't bully me, you won't take the lead on me. This fight will not be fought exclusively on your terms. And even though throughout the totality of the five rounds, one thing Kamaru did very effectively was back Leon up with pressure, it was never effective pressure. It was effective at backing Leon up, but it never turned into sustained offense or or damage really outside of one shot here or there. So, Luke, um, I agree with the, the totality of your terms, which is is some element of, of Usman getting old true. Yeah, sure. Sir, certainly. I mean, that's not the same guy who climbed that ladder and just ragdolled people. There's no question. But. We do have to put some slander in the direction here of Usman in terms of strategy and execution. Now, I'm here to tell you that the lack of strategy and execution was largely because of exactly what Leon did. Leon studied this matchup better than Kamaru. That's why he's won this third fight. I think Kamaru was maybe a little bit too more focused on getting back physically, mentally to where he needed to be. And to his credit, he did that. He was in great shape. He pushed the pace. But Luke, why ultimately, outside of just Leon cutting cool, you know, cutting the angles, you know, responding to his jabs with combinations, shutting down the takedown offense, takedown attempts. Why do you think ultimately Kamaru's attempts were somewhat so telegraphed, basic and vanilla, which what I mean by this is I challenge Kamaru Usman in this third fight to come out and be a little bit of the Kamaru of old. Now you could say physically with the, with the, you know, knee, the toll on the legs and the knees through the years. Can he be that same ragdoll wrestler over five rounds on the championship level? When guys get, you know, when guys age, it becomes harder and harder. But Luke, I didn't see any savvy in, in the way he looked to set up his takedown defense. I didn't see moments where Kamaru said, okay, this fight is close and these rounds are close. I need to bite down on my gum shield and try to get off combinations. It was largely jab, jab, or one strike at a time. So as much as Leon completely neutralized him, and I think that's why he deserved to have won this fight, how do you make sense ultimately of the strategy that, that Usman and his team had? Because it wasn't, Let's return to the Usman of old and wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Yes, there was a certain level of takedown attempts, but didn't they seem very telegraphed against the cage? They were in moments and in ways you would expect. And guess what? Leon was there to shut it down. Look, it was almost as if Kamaru was playing too much of the point fighter game of hoping when they go to the cards that he had done enough to raise his hands. I never saw true urgency from him in this fight. He was made to do that. He was made to do that. I know a lot of folks, again, I'm not saying that Kamaru hasn't lost explosive ability or, you know, the, the the passage of time hasn't made him something of a different fighter in terms of risk assessment. I think that's probably true. Here is what really Leon did. This is, this is the big, for me, when I went back and looked at the footage to see, like, what was his ability to win? Like, why was he able to do it? He was able to maintain better range, first of all. Like, all those body kicks, right? They went through and kind of pushes... Um, Kamaru back and he has to kind of you know, lunge uh, from a, a range and a distance. But the biggest one is this. This is for me my number one takeaway. Kamaru is very heavy on the front foot and he often moves into range back foot first. And I know sometimes we look at these things and we think how consequential can they be? They can be majorly consequential. Here's why. 
when you come in front foot first, when you move your back foot first, you'll see really good fighters cheat this. They do it all the time. Like Izzy does it. Even Leon does it at times. Leon did it to do, set up the head kick in the second fight. But when you do it all the time, when it becomes habitual, you get really heavy on your front foot. And, I, and, I, and sometimes it will angle you right in front of your opponent. But the biggest thing is that when you land on the front foot, you are now heavy. It prevents sometimes pivoting. And it brings you to your opponent in an off-balanced way. Right, because you're just so heavy leaning on that front leg. They took that away from him all the time. Every time he tried to step into range with that with the footwork where he's coming front foot very heavy, that was when the leg kicks came. That was when the angle change came. That was when the post and turn came. All of it came from that. They were able to time and weaponize the way in which Kamaru moves into Leon as a way to set up all of Leon's attacks, most substantially kicking attacks, um, but more than just that movement off of it. And Kamaru had a hard time closing that distance. He had a hard time navigating it. So to your point, the takedowns didn't look great because he was made to be further away. Also, I'm going to point out the grip, the grip breaking and the grip preventing ability of Leon Edwards was much better this time because even if he got up against the fence, the minute that Kamaru charged into him, what did you notice he do? He would hip into it, wizard over, fire the underhook, or at least do far side wrist control. He just had a much better down blocking, much better distance management, and they timed the forward progression of Usman to make it very difficult for him to even begin to set up attacks. This is what I mean when folks want to deny Leon. I'm going to say, I, I'm sorry, I don't fucking see that at all. Yeah, this and, guy and me, killed it on Saturday. I don't say any of this to try to put that, you know, American shade on Leon and, you know, BC, you're, you're, you know, you're always against the UK fighter. Sometimes it, 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 it turns that way and I'm not against, I'm just giving you analysis. I do think ultimately this was Leon shutting him down at every turn. And I like the way you broke that down from a technical standpoint. Do you agree at all with, with sort of my way of looking through what I saw and trying to figure out some other elements to this? We've never seen Kamaru Usman have to come from behind. We've seen him, you know, and this, this is what happens. I don't, do I think Kamaru Usman is a front runner? No, but when you have a long stretch of dominating people on your own terms, that can sometimes become it because you haven't had the necessity to make changes to the second, third, fourth gear or game plan. Now, look, it doesn't mean he hasn't had close fights. The first fight with Colby was a kickbox, you know, largely a boxing match back and forth until ultimately one, one guy broke. Too. Yeah, one guy broke at the end. He broke in jaw and, and you know, the referee jumped in. Um, so that might be part of it. But I think ultimately for Kamaru, the worst thing that happened to him, and tell me if I'm way off on this, is all the fouling and ultimately the point deduction from Leon. Why? Because it made the fight closer in Kamaru's mind than it necessarily, necessarily would have been if he doesn't lose that point, if that third round is, let's say, you know, close enough where you could go either way, and then he goes back to the corner with, with, with his coaching team and they may have to give him the same speech Leon's coach gave him before round five of the second fight. Luke, maybe ultimately the point deduction in this fight being technically contested on fairly close terms turned out to be the wrong result for Kamaru because it never challenged him to find another game plan gear or anything different than I'm going to back you up with my jab and try to land right hands that really never were there. And I'm going to shoot at times, but get stuffed or get raised back up right away. Because if there's one thing he lacked, Luke, it was that next level gear urgency is some of that delayed by age. Maybe but I think the circumstances are almost conspired against him because when have you seen Kamaru have to go to another level to pull out a fight? It just hasn't been part of his journey. 
I think, I mean, there's, there might be something to that. I can't say that's a crazy theory. I think that we should talk about the fouling of Leon for a second because I called it a masterful performance. But for that, I think that that is just without doubt. When you begin to look at the the, the fouling, you know, it, it changes the picture a little bit. And certainly, I went back and watched the second fight. Kamaru was complaining about fouls there. I mean, we should say something. I'm not even mad at Kamaru, but I think that some of those fouls were very legitimate. I'm glad that referee Herb Dean took a point in the third round, I believe it was, for the fence yes. grab. That was very blatant, and, and Leon deserved to have a point taken from him. Fair enough. Uh, on the other hand, I'm just not really willing to believe that that is the defining reason why he won. Not saying that's what you're saying, but just to be put it out there, could it have put him in a mental state where he didn't have to rally and therefore – um, you know, uh, there was nothing making him go to a next a next level. It could be true. I just think he's also out of ideas a little bit, right? Like Leon, Leon, uh, who is he the only guy to fight Kamaru three times? I think that he is, right? So yes. he's had several cracks at this in a way where you might like his chances. Or imagine if Colby had a third crack at Kamaru. Like you get three cracks at a guy like that, you're going to be able to switch up enough stuff to be able to um, to really home in on a very, very detailed game plan, a very specific one. And again, at 35-36, BC, it's like people are like, why didn't Kamara do this? Why didn't Kamara do that? Dude, he's at the age he's at. There are some certain limits with that. But on top of it, what was it you wanted him to do that he that was reasonably within his limits? If every time you're trying to get close to a guy, he's kicking your legs out, pushing you backwards on the move, he's clinch-breaking, he's fighting your hands, you can't make grips on him, right? You can't make grips on him. You know, like you, the other guy's just fucking better. I don't. I mean, I don't know why people can't just say that. Leon, it has always been a guy where he didn't have a dazzling game in the sense that he had again prior to the second fight um, an array of knockouts, an array of submissions, like just devastating finisher. He's been a guy who could always play the levels. You saw that out here uh, to the nth degree. It was marred by some of the lack of discipline. But the last thing I'd say on that BC is, come on, Kamaru's a vet. And I ain't mad at him for it, but he milked some of those uh, fouls. Yeah. Some of those were a little bit him, you know, playing the veteran. But they game. benefited Dude, Leon. Play it, Leon play ultimately it, I, okay. benefited from it, right? That to some to some degree, Luke, it shows because look, I almost felt like to some degree Leon had to do that. There was some element where he had to stand up to the bully because Usman. Okay, am I saying he had to follow to do that? No, but when you're no. playing into the idea here is Kamaru tried everything mentally to get in his head, right? Talking down to him throughout the whole buildup, trash talking, trying to get in his face multiple times, including at the end of the first and second round, trying to start the round right in his face, a lot of this stuff. I just wonder, look, that was Leon showing back that you're not going to manhandle me mentally or physically, but I do think like I had just broken down that it ultimately led to it feeling like a closer fight maybe than it was for Kamaru. And look, he just, for whatever reason, all reasons combined, Kamaru didn't have that extra gear. He didn't have, I mean, I just wonder when he goes to the scorecards with his hands raised and again, was a close fight. Could you have given it Usman by one point? There's a way you could have made that math work based on how you watched it. I'm not saying I would, I would recommend that, but I don't know if Usman could, can, can sit alone after this and, and really believe he had done enough to win. Right. You don't, you know, just pressuring someone backwards is not enough. Working a jab is not enough. So, Luke, I don't want to belabor the idea of what Usman didn't do, because, again, I spent most of the reaction show late Saturday talking to you about what Leon did do. But in a larger sense, is aggressive wrestling just not a sustainable style for a mid to late 30s elite mixed martial artist? Did Habib get out at the right time, Luke, although not for that reason? 
Do you know what I'm saying? I, because like I asked DC to do things in his early 40s against Stipe that it apparently just weren't physically possible to, to to keep that gas tank going for 25 minutes and try to grind people. I mean, I, I thought Leon was somewhat physically fading in the fifth, somewhat. If you go back and look, he's a lot, he's a lot more move and stop, which he did throughout the first four rounds, but he's a lot more like that in the fifth. But I, again, I just think that Kamaru met his match. All the time when you see a dominant figure like this lose, everyone wants to go to some kind of explanation to say, oh, this is why it's different. Like they, they were at elevation last time and now they weren't. So, you know, if Leon somehow has better cardio and Kamaru's is always good. Does this explain the difference? I'm sure it helped. I don't think it explains the difference. Um, the fouling, could that have mentally rattled or somehow changed the game plan of, of Kamaru or certainly his expectations anyway for what was happening? Probably to some extent, I don't think that explains it. In the end, the simplest explanation is typically the right one, right? Occam's razor. The simple explanation, guys, is on Saturday night, Leon was, for the vast majority of that fight, fouling notwithstanding, much better. He was much better. And again, this yeah. is a guy, me and you, right, heading into the fight, we're like, okay, he performed well in the second fight, but I just didn't see enough. Okay, now I have seen enough. Now he has convinced me. This was a, for me, not a doubter or a skeptic of Leon, but... Someone who had some questions about what his true ceiling was. Yeah. Boy, he made well, he a raised new spot it. for that. He raised that ceiling, and that's where you give him credit. And oh, by the way, Luke, although that lightning never struck twice with the head kick, I got to give Leon a lot of credit for establishing the foundation with those jumping knees and how close he came a couple times for the high kick of that Camaro block. That you fuck around, you try to bully me, that's going to be there. So, so ultimately, you know. Why didn't why wasn't Usman more urgent in some key areas? Because Edwards established that I'm quicker, I've studied you better, and I could get you out of here a second time if that happened. So yeah, at the end of the day, shout out to Rocky Luke on the same weekend that I finally wrapped up this Rocky and Creed journey after nine movies. Uh, Leon Rocky Edwards, uh, not a one hit wonder, 31 years old, peak of his prime, your welterweight champion, and now it's time to talk about Luke. What the hell is next? Well, one last thing on this. I asked you about the state of the rivalry. Do you remember last week when I was like, you know, in some ways Leon has become like the dominant rival of Kamaru? I, 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 I still, I definitely feel that. I feel that way even more now than I did last week. I mean, he's got two wins over the guy. I yes. guess to your point, it doesn't change the reality that Colby was a more um, celebrated rival and sort of and groomed for that position. But in the end, it was Leon Edwards who solved the puzzle. And eventually, all the champions get solved. We, we saw it with uh, Valentina. Like, you're sure. going to get solved. There's too much. We talked about it last week, right? We should bring, bring it up again. How much tape is there on Kamaru? And if you're Leon, you had, oh, basically, because it ended at 50 seconds of the fifth round the second time, you basically had eight rounds of practice heading into this contest. And it, sometimes that's not enough for people, but it was enough for him. He really proved himself to be more than a worthy adversary. He proved himself to be the adversary to this point anyway of of Kamar Usman's career and it's a, a remarkable achievement uh all right BC let's talk about point number two okay Colby Covington featured quite prominently in this <laughs> event in a way that none of us had expected I think someone asked me on my live chat last week like where's Colby and I was like has anyone seen this fucking guy and then sure enough he weighs in the next day and then BC this was the interesting part they had him sitting cage side in addition to weighing in the cameras were on him as the reactions were sort of not red but afterwards like he also played a role in the reaction drama and then after the fight was over on the pay-per-view broadcast they had colby give his assessment 
about the fight and uh, what might be next and you know him asserting his place as like a rightful contender and then dana white basically confirmed it although leon edwards was like why on earth would it be colby bc let me ask you the same question that leon edwards asked the world why is colby covington getting a title shot uh number one star power let's not forget that he and look am i necessarily supporting this idea no do i understand it have i been talking about it leading up to because i know how this company works yes he has star power he is a natural villain is an, an overplayed forced role most of the time yes but it, you know i don't have to teach you marketing when you get a baby face champion in a pro wrestling term which leon rocky edwards is this inspirational journey overcoming and you got a guy now who represents this market and i don't know if you watched dana white's post uh fight press conference on saturday but along with him not hearing every question and needing it to be relayed luke Every single question was about when are you coming back to the UK reworded or can you go to this UK city or can you go here? Um, you need the natural villain that can elevate the baby face like Chael Sonnen ultimately did for Anderson Silva, even though that's not the perfect comparison because Silva just he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's one of the greatest of all time. He would have probably been anyway. But when you have a yard barking rival across from you that people want to see get his ass kicked, it's perfect. On top of that, Luke, when you look back at the last Eight years of Colby Covington's career, he's lost to only Kamara Usman twice. One of them very close, and actually both very, you know, both close-ish, right? I mean, both very, very close. I'm not saying he has been busy enough to make this make a lot of sense. I'm not saying he has, you know, so Brent Brookhouse, our, our colleague at CBS Sports, broke down every uh, Colby fight based on who he was fighting, what their record, their recent record was coming in. You have to go back to 2017. The last time Colby fought a guy who was like coming in on a multiple fight win streak and, you know, had momentum and was looking to climb the ladder of the rankings to some degree. He was able to be the riser as some of these names were coming down and he beat them in advance. But Luke, if he didn't have his last fight, be a pay-per-view main event against Jorge Masvidal, one in which he largely dominated I would I would play further into the idea that this is just Dana White privilege. And oh, by the way, Bilal Muhammad actually quote tweeted that and now deleted it that when somebody asked him why is Colby getting this? And he said, because he's white. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't lean that far into this, but I do lean into the idea. What's the history of the UFC? Rewarding guys with big names who get a lot of grow, you know, gain a lot of attention through their mouth and their ability to play that role. This is what this is. And look, if he was coming off defeats or whatever. I mean, like, I know he sat out and been extra strategic and I know by default, everybody hates him. And I know this division is getting some real, you know, it's getting heavy. It's getting at the top. It's getting busy at the top. There's a lot of guys we want to see, you know, how soon for Shavkat, all this stuff. But Luke, I get it. I, I don't think it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a major sort of, you know, black eye on the marketing or promotional direction. Um, it just doesn't serve ultimately like the idea of the got next in line. Let's see. Colby sat out, I thought, strategically, and now he's getting the reward for it. And what did he just do? Exactly what the company expects from a company man. Show up last minute on essentially a day's notice, cut 18 pounds, which is what the rumor was in the post-fight press conference, and then make weight for Dana just in case something happens. So, I mean, look, you get it, right? I, I'm not saying I want this fight next, but you get it. Um, I'm not sure how much I get it. I'm not sure how much I get it. I, so the the okay, clearly we can say this: the UFC does not appear to be very interested in putting Bilal Muhammad in a title fight, right? We can say that with strong. They're giving confidence. him the Leon Edwards treatment. True or false? They are giving him the Leon. That's a great way to put it. He's the new one. 
right? He's the new one where... And by the way, reminder, they, Max Holloway had to go through the Leon Edwards treatment too. People forget that. For a little while, it certainly, happens. certainly. And, and, and But Max also was able to change his fortunes by getting a series of stoppages in ways that, you know, uh, it's a little bit different. But I just I just want to remind folks, like, two two questions remain for me. First one is the obvious one, which is the worthiness of it in terms of his resume. So here is his resume, Colby Covington. His last fight was a, was a win over Jorge Masvidal back in about a, about a year ago, right, in March of 2022. He had a loss to Kamaru before that. He had a win over Tyron and then a loss to Kamaru. Then he had, this was his win streak, Robbie Lawler, Dos Anjos, Demi, and Don Kyung Kim, Brian Barberina, Max Griffin, Jonathan Mounier, and then before that to Worley Alves. Meaning the only person inside the top 15 he has a win over is number 11, Jorge Masvidal, who is probably on the decline of his career at this point. Although that certainly, we'll see what happens at the next UFC event, UFC 287. That's it. Like the worthiness of his run is utterly manufactured. I know some folks are like, well, he, you know, maybe he doesn't deserve it. No, no, no. Flat out, he doesn't deserve it. Like, not there's not an argument from a meritocracy standpoint on his record. He deserves it. Like, period. The bigger question is the star power one that you raised. BC, what is the evidence in your mind that he has? I'm not saying he doesn't have a bigger star profile than Bilal Muhammad, because I think he does. He's been in bigger fights in terms of uh, spectacle and whatnot. He's been on pay per view main events. Okay. Three of them. How much of that really translates to sales? Okay, I, do I have proof here on tickets? No, but <clears throat> is this not the exact type of athlete that the UFC wants? I'm not saying Colby Covington fights in the same blood and gut style that is the quickest way to Dana's heart, as I often say. No, but ready, willing, and able to fight anybody, gets the promotional side of it, and just did the company job that they asked of him to fly to London and that. Again, do I think meritocracy, this is the right move? No. I don't think this, though, is, is some monster outcry. It's not cool for Bilal Muhammad, but, Luke, when you look at Bilal Muhammad's run, I mean, it's not his fault that no contest with Leon happened, and that would have been one of those sort of key critical wins against a highly ranked guy that you sort of need to get out of that doghouse at times when you're not overly marketable. Um, but this is what they do, dude. I mean, are you surprised that – Connor's talking about if I beat Chandler, I'm I want a welterweight title shot, and everybody's like, "Yeah, it's inevitable." So why not? Yeah, but Connor has but, proof that he can pull on pay per view. Okay, but to the metrics that the company likes, doesn't Colby check every one of those boxes with the exception of regularly fighting a blood and gut style, which he did show against Kamaru in the first fight that he is willing to do. To like, what, since when did Colby Covington's fight style become a thing that people liked? I'm I don't, only asking you from the standpoint of does he check the boxes that the company prefers and wants? He's a better self-promoter than Bilal, and he'll be much more antagonistic towards Leon, even though Leon and Bilal had a previous fight and it went nowhere. Which will but, make you know. Leon a bigger babyface in his home country. That's the point of this. That, that's why. Yeah, but I, don't, I just don't believe that Colby is – I don't believe that the difference between Bilal and Colby is so big. I do believe there's a difference. But I personally, it doesn't matter, of course, I personally don't believe it's so big that it matters looking past what Bilal has done in favor of Colby. I actually don't. If it, if there was a really clear difference in star power, like a major one that we could detect, fine. And maybe they have internal metrics to that to support that. But sure. from the external metrics, it just seems like, yeah, he's better. He's bigger as a star, but not like by a ginormous amount and he has no claim to this title shot whatsoever also here's my question back to well, you. he has been ranked in the top three for like five years uh, like there is some level of a claim look i'm not a colby guy but 
when his only losses in eight years are to Kamaru and two close fights, it, and he is coming off a pay-per-view main event win. I'm just saying, Luke, it's hard to frame this as insanely egregious, white power, white privilege, all that. It, it, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying any of that. I don't think it's, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't buy into any of that. I think Bilal was frustrated, but I, I yes, I don't think that plays a role. I think, I will say that, you know, Colby doing the Trump supporting act probably helps a little bit, but yeah. even then, I don't really think that's really what's got, what it's got to do with. But it's, I mean, I want to be clear. This is, Colby Covington has zero claim to this title other than he was just gifted one for, I guess, doing the UFC a favor. Um, and it doesn't appear to be anything more to it than that. That's really the story. Also, I've seen some of these odds uh, floating around. There's nothing official yet. And by the way, Leon could decline the fight, in which case I wonder what happens there. He kind of indicated he would. He was like, I get to decide. We'll see what uh, happens. No, look, I love that idea, but at this point, I mean, they've taken belts off of people for less. Okay, I'm not saying that he's in line of getting True. stripped if he doesn't take this fight, but you saw what happened to Nico Montagna. You saw what happened to Jermaine Durandamy. Like, they'll do that shit to you. Right? They will, although I don't think they want to do that to their most, I would argue, their best British champion ever. I mean, that's what right. Leon Edwards is, right? Um, well, they'll solve this with money, Luke. They'll solve it with money, okay? That's another one they could do. That's certainly another way they could go. Anyway, I, what do you do with Bilal Muhammad now? They're talking about having him fight Shafkai. Can you imagine being Bilal Muhammad where you've beaten all these fucking guys and then they're like, you're coming off the Sean Brady win, his best win in terms of how he looked and how prepared he was. Right, finishing off a guy with, with with the way that he did with strikes, unbelievable. And they're like, your reward is not a title shot, even though your claim to it is pretty good. Your reward is going to be Shavkat Rachmanov. I mean, you got to be like, if you're Bilal, like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah. So Bilal's winless in ten. I'm sorry, he's he's got a uh, he's got an unbeaten streak going of ten fights, and when your last four are wins over Sean Brady, Vicente Luque, Wonderboy Thompson, and Demian Maia, like, you know, there's there's some element of claim there. Is there enough, though, prime in the moment top five wins that could trump everything else Colby has has going for him? And I'm not saying Colby has a bunch of active wins over top five guys. Colby, again, fought. It turned out that he that he strategically fought guys that were going in that direction as he was coming up. Tyron Woodley fight is another example of that, which is his, you know, his last big win outside of the Masvidal one. But is this claim enough, Luke? The 10 win fight win winless streak, those four strong names in a row. Is the Sean Brady, what was Sean Brady ranked at the moment? Like, I, I know I'm playing, you know, huge, almost dick role of devil's advocate here, but I, I guess I just understand promotion, Luke. And, and if Bilal had beaten, Sean Brady was a great level and he got past it by stoppage, to your point. Like, it was a breakthrough win. But has he beaten a top five guy, which is normally if you're not knocking on the door because of, commercialism and marketing if you're not knocking on the door because you're somebody like Hamzat who's just you know destroying everybody you sometimes need that top five win to get entry he has not had that yet correct I mean where was Wonderboy at that at the point of that fight I don't know where he was at that time he currently sits at seven Bilal at uh four Bilal has beaten number seven Jeff Thompson number nine Sean Brady number 10 Vicente Luque um so, you know, all three of his most recent wins are better than Colby's last win. For sure. But but is there enough argument in there to trump what the company perceives that Colby brings? That's really it. Because, Luke, if they make right. it, you it's, it's a big event in the UK just because it's Leon. But... I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, I hate that. I hate that Blaw's got to go through this journey. I wish I wish they would remember the name, Luke. I wish the meritocracy would, would angle in there more. But 
Let me ask you. Are, I've seen some of the odds have Leon as a slight underdog. Yeah, again, these are that. betting odds. I got to tell you, this again, this notion that Leon like underperformed on Saturday, I find completely baffling. It's the best performance of his career, the last minute of the second fight notwithstanding. It's just shocking that people are saying this to me. So we don't tend to overinflate the, the early overseas odds. This is what we're talking about, right? We all get those emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Luke, according to that, Plus 110, Leon Edwards, minus 130, Colby Covington. Um, even if you're looking at this from the standpoint of, well, that's an older Kamara Usman who's coming off a, you know, being knocked out cold, which I think would be largely wrong to lean in that level. A lot of times these odds makers are smarter than we are, Luke, or it's an element of I need to induce betting in this direction. What is it with this line? Because I get the, the in theory idea of Covington's going to spam takedowns more than what we saw to Usman really in fights two and three, even though he had more success taking down Edwards in fight two. Um, but, you know, is, is Colby a threat on the feet to Leon? No. Not and even Leon, a little. And if Leon just stuffed Usman <clears throat> to that level, those are some, I mean, I know it's only plus 110 for the champion as the underdog. It's not, you know, uh, again, this is what I'm. This is what I mean. It's like, well, Colby could do something that Leon, or excuse me, that Kamaru can't. Okay, well, they're not the same fighter, and I certainly grant that there is. Uh, th by the way, Colby a little bit more willing to attack the back than Kamaru has been. I think that is a, a a noteworthy difference. Fair enough, that could end up playing a role. But like, dude, what the fuck are people talking about in terms of like thinking? Colby is like gonna fix the things that Kamaru. Colby's thirty five years old. Kamaru is thirty five years old. Colby's last relevant win is Jorge Masvidal. The other guys aren't even in the fucking UFC. The vast majority of them. What on earth gives people confidence that that guy has like the missing? Not to say he couldn't be competitive or win. BC. I'm not even saying that he could be competitive. He could win, but that like he's the antidote to what Kamaru could. Is he younger? No. Is he a better version of Kamaru? No. Like, does he have, like, radically different takedowns than Kamaru? Yeah. No. It's a bad like, line. Like, I don't understand what people are fucking looking at and, here. And Leon's also a big welterweight. I mean, see, you know what I mean? Like, Right. Leon, Did you see what kind of shape he was in? Dude, he looked like he was in absolutely. tremendous condition. Backzilla. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this one thing. I know that we don't take the UFC rankings as, like, life and death. Why? Because the UFC can often flip the middle finger at their own rankings and just say, oh, no, guy, number nine guy is going to fight for the title because we want him to. But... I think the biggest problem fundamentally with the UFC ranking system is that whenever somebody loses a title fight, they are then automatically installed as the number one contender. When in reality, sometimes, yes, you build up a run winning three, four, five fights in a row and you become a number one contender. But then when you lose, and I in agree. a lot of cases, when you lose dominantly, the reality is, especially in a busy division, you should be put back at four, five, six in a ranking based on the situation. Both times Colby fought Usman and he lost close. So in this case, maybe that's not it, but just the fact that they automatically made Colby the number one contender after each time he lost to Usman and then he's not being active. And again, then he's coming off a win over Jorge. It is hard for the company under their own preset rules to then push him back in the rankings and try to make, you know, try to make room for Bilal. So partially the system is flawed. Partially you understand what the, like Luke, from the promotional standpoint, they probably believe Leon should win this fight. So you're using Colby to get right. Leon to the next level. And, and then you find out there and, and look, if Bilal has to, Bilal's got to climb another mountain and that mountain may be Shavkat and that's asking a lot of him. 
But if he does that, Luke, and I'm sorry, his unbeaten streak currently is at nine. If he extends that to 10, which is where Leon was coming into his first title fight, finally, uh, there will be no holding him back. I love me some Bilal Muhammad. Luke, he's, I mean, you know, he's got great chesticles. I mean, really. The guy yeah, his pecs are yeah. amazing. Uh, BC, okay. here's a little, uh, here's a little uh, the data point for you. So in title fights, we're talking about the overall record in title fights of uh, fighters 35 years or of age or older between flyweight and welterweight. So we're not talking about middleweight and up. So 125, 35, 45, 55, 70. Okay. What do you, there's 30 fights to talk. We're talking about, we're talking about the record of the guys who meet that, right? So over 35 between flyweight and welterweight. What do you think their, their uh, record is in 30 total fights? Uh, under 500 by a good degree. You're right. How about two and 28? Two and 28. Two and 28. Colby's 35. Yeah. He'll be probably yeah. close to 36 by the time they make this fucking fight happen. Tell me why he's the antidote again to a guy who just shut down yeah. Kamara Usman for four and 15. Get the, what the fuck? Are Unless it's an at? idea of, of let's induce bets for, for Leon to, to even this. Right. Maybe. Exactly. That, that explanation I get, I get that completely. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I just don't, what I do don't you think... again, he's a threat. I'm not saying he's not a threat, but like, like he's the here's guy, the, like, here's the problem though. If you are of the belief that Bilal's getting screwed here and that this is all about UFC, just keeping their favorite guys alive here with Colby getting the shot. And Dana was like unequivocally Colby is next. Um, Luke, not that this should necessarily matter, but if you already hate Colby, he hasn't updated the shtick at all. And that's kind of pissing me off. Not that I'm saying he has to come off with like DeSantis 2024 t-shirts and completely change it, but it, it might be time. To, I mean, it's certainly time to drop the shtick. I'm okay. If, if the trash talking is real and smart and well angled, but as much as Colby became a student of the great Dan Lambert on how to become a pro wrestling heel, I don't feel like he's ever added to those teachings. And boy, is it cringe. I mean, the close-up he got this weekend of the interviews he did, it's like, damn, can we get a can we get a, a strategist, a strategist in his corner, Luke, and help him figure out a new angle here on how to be this villainous trash talking character? Because it's pretty it not not you know, it's pretty vanilla right now. It is. It's coming to a close. It's coming. Yeah. He's 35. He's got a few big fights left, and that's probably about it. So we'll see. All right, BC. Speaking of big fights, let's talk about this one. How about that co-main event? Man, can you imagine if that thing was five rounds? I don't know how much longer it would have gone past three, but the three we got were incredible. How about Justin Gaethje, ladies and gentlemen? What a performance by him. Because, BC, a lot of the things that we had expected from Fazeev were true. How about the uppercuts? The, well, actually, yeah. from Gaethje, we called those. But how about this? Did I not call explicitly, and you heard him talk about it on the broadcast, the speed of Fazeev? Dude, he was wheeling and dealing through certainly the first round, good portions of the second, but Justin Gaethje absolutely storming back in the third. Second round was close enough. He gets the nod in the end, although that was pretty close too. BC, how was he able to do it? What did Justin Gaethje do to get this win? And what does this win mean? We'll start first with the title picture at 155. Well, quickly, you know, he weathered the storm of that first round when the speed difference and really the technique, the technical difference was was on high alert because it, it is hard to match Fazeev when he's <laughs> when he's fresh coming out of the gate. I mean, those 
those, I mean, he would dart in for those, you know, body kicks and just get the hell out of there after landing a big pop. But I really felt Gaethje made an adjustment in the second round to shorten up his punches, not wing them as much as is. Look, he was throwing in the first round, Luke, the kind of hooks he throws when it's two-way mano a mano battle. I thought he made some very slight adjustments in the second round. And then ultimately it became a, a lot of what the commentary was talking about, the fact that Gaethje wasn't going anywhere. And he got rocked at certain points in the first round and early in the second by Fazib, where that was certainly in play because, you know, look at Fazib's run of knockouts of late. But I thought Gaethje really figured out how to fight him at close terms, get off his power shots, add a little bit of, of craft and wrinkle to it. And uh, he lured Fazib into an area where it basically was like, if you're going to knock me out, you're going to have to stand in the trenches with me like Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier did and be willing to. And, you know, that's not the best use of Fazeev's game, even though he can dart inside on you and, and land big strikes. And, you know, he wore obviously a, a lot of that in return. But um, I think Fazeev needed this to kind of, you know, to kind of level out at this moment of the things he needs to add and work on. A lot of people are going to get blown away by first round Fazeev, even at this elite level. He's that good. But Justin Gaethje was was grittier and, 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 and you know, as much as I, you know, I, I wrongly, just like I wrongly framed that Poirier would show up old in that Chandler fight, I wrongly framed that we'd see a Gaethje that would return to more of that caveman style and go away from some of the changes that made him super elite for a season. No, he leaned back into those, Luke, and there was enough of the threat of the takedown. He gave us the obligatory takedown attempt, and then he scored the, the one finally at the close of the third round. But. I like that he said he's not going to be here for a long time. He's 34. He's taking an ungodly amount of risk and damage. But in this short window, Luke, he absolutely still is a viable lightweight contender. But it's not like Fazeev's trying to take him down, Luke. And when does Gaethje come up empty at the super elite level? His lack of a, of a jiu-jitsu grappling submission game there. And his lack of his use of his own wrestling game. So... This was the ticket that showed us he's still here. He's still in this. And he certainly got a big enough name and experience where if he gets a call at any point, whether it be one more fight for the title or he's still in that spot where he could get a call at any point when you're that, that, you know, he's got a chance here, Luke, to still live out the dream. But I think he's still got to go back into the, into the workshop and, 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 and try to work on some things. And I think we're seeing more and more, Luke, when people dedicate themselves, like if you're not known, let's say for stopping takedowns and then you dedicate yourself to it you can make quick growth and quick evolutions. You know what I mean? Like not everybody, not every circumstance, but um, this was ultimately matchup dependent. I think where he was able to pull it out against such a guy so dangerous, but he deserves to still be in this title picture. And I, and I'm, I'm happy because he is along with Dustin, who's still lingering. These are the last of the Mohicans on this incredible class of lightweights that stormed through and made some of the best fights we've ever seen and made just such great rivalries. They're all going into, you know, legend old guy mode now. This is Gaethje's probably the last guy along with Poirier who's still got one more shot at this. Yeah, I mean, these guys are not going to go away quietly. It tells you the 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 strength of this class of lightweights is so formidable that even a guy like Fazeev, who was poised to do well and did do well for long stretches, couldn't keep it up enough in the end. What a special group of lightweights, of, of which Gaethje is a part. But again, the, the guys that have been in his era are... are some of the best you'll ever see. So I want to sort of make a moment historically like that class of lightweights, exceptional. Uh, I, I thought this was so impressive from Justin Gaethje. And like the real, to me, one of the big keys to him doing it was the jab. The jab, it made Fazeev more hittable and it slowed him down at the same time, right? Because if he's constantly kicking and going away, 
There's not much you can do. But as he moves, you can pump that jab in there in front of him. It's disruptive to him. He had a longer reach. He was actually using it, I thought, more effectively finally. And he was really able to find and slow down Fazeev over time. And then how about those uppercuts, dude? Did we not call the uppercuts of Justin Gaethje to, the, to a T on Wednesday and last Friday? You saw those play out massively in the third round. So this is what I love about that finish. It wasn't just that he had to endure getting rocked, which he did, and tremendous pain, which I'm sure he did. Dude, he had a strategic answer. Like, we go back to the main event, what was missing? Komaru didn't have an answer for it. Justin Gaethje did. Justin Gaethje did have an answer for, the for like, what's another, what's another way in which I can approach this problem in terms of diagnosing it and then having a problem-solving solution ready to go? He did. He did that. He did it at age 34, probably, well, I guess by the way it was judged, it wasn't down on the cards. But, you know, he didn't know going into round three that he might have been down on the cards 2-0, right? He had no clue. And so that was, to me, dude, so impressive from Justin Gaethje. The old one who fought Alvarez and Poirier, he would have just kept lunging forward or something. Like, he would not have had the same thoughtful response. So what I love about Justin Gaethje is, dude, if he wants to be a barbarian, trust me, when I don't, I don't even need to tell anyone out there, you know he has that gear in him at all times. But BC, here he didn't let off, let up off the violence. Look at, look at the face of Fazeev by the time the fight was over, but he outthought him. That is what I love. Still outthinking opponents, coming up with the right solutions, and having a little bit of that dog in him, which everyone talks about, to bring it to life, to take the fight to Fazeev, no matter what those guys were throwing at each other. Man, I have so much respect for this win by Justin Gaethje. Earned it absolutely. I would argue one of the hardest ways to earn that fight, the win, was the way he did it. And uh, he did. Age 34, well, extremely impressive. He's also a special guy who's able to weather that storm of Fazeev of that very high pace and the violence in there. And Fazeev learned that when he slows down, you know, inevitably due to, you know, uh, fatigue and damage against a guy this good, there is a difference between the Fazeev in the first three, four minutes of the fight and rounds two and three of a hotly contested fight against an elite guy who won't go anywhere. So I think there's still a lot that Fazeev can add from this, uh, you know, technically, certain mentally and, and evolve from this and, and, and continue to work on that gas tank too. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a mature, that's a mature ass veteran win from him. And it was really great to see after I, you know, after both of us sort of softly counted him out, right? Sort of said, yeah, okay, I mean, I, I thought, I, you know, you thought he could win. But you didn't think he'd win by just kind of dummying Fazeev in the third. I that one yeah. was like, wow, man, he really had something for him here. In a way that that part, I I, I just didn't expect that. I really didn't. Talk about so your boy impressed. Paul Paul Sutherland, who gave a 10-8 round for for uh, Gaethje in round yes. three, which didn't make sense, but made it a 28-28 scorecard to make it a majority <laughs> uh, decision. And look, that's after. Yeah. Blowing the Delizze Vittori one kind of by going 30-27 Vittori and then scoring at 30-27 for the guy that lost badly against Chris Duncan in that Omar Morales in that early fight. Yeah, 30-27 Morales, yeah. Yeah. Wow, dude. Uh, Thief for Sutherland over here. Who is this guy? The next <laughs> Doug Crosby? What's going on here? Yeah, those were some strange scorecards i would not use that gentleman again if i could I, i'm not here to like do one of these bits where like these judges are the worst people he seems like an inexperienced judge it's not a very good one and looks to me like he needs a little bit more work so you know i'll leave it at that but uh in the end you know the right people won there's not like somebody who really has a strong case otherwise but uh yeah the, his scoring 
awful. I, and by the way, one thing on Fazeev, he clearly looks faster, right? That part was true. I was a little bit surprised at how much smaller he looked than Gaethje. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he can make 145, or am I being crazy? I mean, if he if he could, Luke, this this is a it'd be an interesting uh it'd be an interesting idea to throw into the uh into Dr. Frankenstein's lab here and figure this out. He could come out dynamically dangerous but yeah. you got you know he's 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 already jacked and cut as shit luke so i don't know about yeah that. yeah yeah i mean i'm asking a lot i recognize yeah. that but it was just kind of interesting like i do think i had not i did not realize the difference was as big as it was and i i do think in the end that played a little bit of a role just in sturdiness and then his own power punching it looked like it looked like Fazeev's kicks can drop a horse, but it looks like his punches sometimes can be great. Sometimes, and they were they were hurting Justin too, but they were not quite enough to get him out of there. And to me, like some of Justin's punches wore on him quite heavily. Um, yeah. But you know, either, either way, it wasn't like Fazeev performed poorly. He just he met a veteran who had a great call in the third and part of the second too, and um, he got beat. He got beat by a better guy that night. Simple as that. So. The, the new class of 155ers with the Zs and the Vs in their name, they're still coming, BC, but it's a it's a tough road to to push that Poirier, Gaethje, Ferguson, Habib, that whole class. It's going to be tough to get them out of there very easily. Yeah, Luke, what movie? Uh, that horse is a diabetic. I don't remember. Come on, Luke, half-baked, come on. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Half Baked in a while, and then you know I was half baked when I saw it. So there you go. All right, <laughs> yeah. BC, let's talk about this one because I know this one's going to rub you the wrong way. Marvin Vittori. So Marvin Vittori edges, and I do mean edges. Roman Delizia, he gets back in the win column again. Some of the scores were whatever, but okay, he gets the win. BC, did Vittori reassert himself in the middleweight division with this win? Yes and no, Vittori well-rounded nature of his game it, it's what won him this game against a guy who was a little bit more raw a guy who had huge power in the first round and was hulking but a guy who started to slow down in, in his biggest fight to date Roman Delizia stepping up a, a fair level of competition after a spectacular 2022 Vittori used some of those veteran skills I mean look he is you know we know the shape he comes in we know the incredible chin he has but we always talk about it. He's he's pretty well-rounded, unfortunately, on like a warning track level across the board. So he after that first round when he got, you know, his nose bloodied and he got he got marked up and banged up a little bit, he made some very nice adjustments to to really start to expose the, the some of that rawness in Roman Delize and pull out a decision that knee-jerk I didn't agree with. I thought 29-28 Delize was a little bit better. That last round could have gone either way. Uh and had to, they both had some big moments there. But Certainly a score you could get yourself to in a close competitive fight. Didn't love 30-27 from Paul Sutherland, but that's another topic. But Luke, I don't know if he's if he's still figured out the identity crisis of how do you be beat the very elites when you're not a finishing threat in any one category. Great call. Great call. Sorry, go ahead. That's it. That's the analysis oh, right there, Luke. What yeah, I, I think when I think I put that's the bits the... and bits in the cupboard. Sometimes I'll, I'll I don't you know. Sometimes I'm credible, Luke. Sometimes I'm, yeah, yeah. You know. No, no. I think that I think you nailed it, BC. I really do. It here's the difference, BC. In the end, this is why. Tell me if you think this is a good explanation for why Vittori won. And this isn't obviously the sum total of something. It's kind of what it represents. But Vittori landed 106 significant strikes. Delizze just 71. 
on a yeah. basic level, on a basic level, Vittori was just busier, busier with the jab and just kind of pressing the action a little bit more at a time to be like, okay, but he did, an, it was this accumulative work that he was able to get. So I appreciate that he was able to do that, especially against a very hard hitting Delizze. Well, he rocked him a couple of times, but Vittori is tough, dude. He's physical. He's a big guy. And I think he fits really well at 185. And he really wants to win. Like, he doesn't run from tough challenges. And I will also say this was his first camp with a, a first camp in a new camp, right? He's Extreme Couture now. He's previously at King's MMA. It's going to take a little while for that to really, to, for the dividends of the camp switch to really show up. It doesn't always happen automatically. Sometimes it can take two Who's or three of those. Who's there? Is it Eric so, Nixick there? I, I, no, I didn't see Nixick there. I, I saw Dewey, uh, Dewey Cooper was there. Dewey okay. Cooper was in his corner and some other guys I can't remember off the top of my head, but I did see Dewey Cooper there, who's a phenomenal coach, right? He's a great coach. So it takes some time to get there, but the same concerns I think I still have. I appreciated the grittiness and the willingness of Vittori to just kind of kind of keep poking when he had to, and that was the difference. But did I see anything there that leads me to believe he's still on a path to claim a title by having the technical development that he needs? No, I did not see that. Now, he's still young, yeah. I think 28 or so. He's still got time. He's still got plenty of time. Uh, I'll look up his age here to be sure. Just you a just second. don't want him to take too much, you know, to, to let the grind and take too much damage because he does have a great chin and against the very elite. That's how he's been able to push them distances, Luke, to, to be in those fights, you know, ultimately one sided. But um, I don't know what the answer is. Is the answer retooling his striking to, to land more damage, Luke? Is it? Is it leaning into the idea that he's in incredible shape and he's hugely motivated? Should he be more about a high-volume striker and try to win rounds that way? Should it be more about the wrestling? I'm not sure what it is, but that version of him is still not going to beat the very elite unless it's a, a matchup-specific one, you know, like you talked about before. What about him against Poetan if that ever happened? Does he have an idea? You know, is there a lane in there where he can make that fight tougher? You know, maybe. But uh, good win to it, survive in advance. Delize, who's older, has a smaller window. 20, uh, by the way, uh, uh, Vittori, 29, 29. Yeah, and Vittori, and, uh, and, and Delizze, 34, Luke, and I thought, it, you know, he lost the second round because he faded a bit after the that the, the pace he pushed in that first round. I did like, Luke, that he bit down and came after it around the third, but, you know, this fight was, was supposed to tell us exactly whether he's ready to parachute into the top group. Not ready yet, uh, but, yet, but is there still time? What would you do with, with, a, with a raw, dangerous package like Roman Delizze to try to maximize it? For Roman, it looked to me like um, distance closing was a bit of a problem. Like when he can close the distance, or when guys like crash into him because they don't have nimble footwork, or they're you know they're not. Vittori is surprisingly good at maintaining range and kind of staying out of trouble for the most part. When guys can do that with him, it looked like to me like he just didn't have a lot of answers. He was kind of winging punches, and it was a bit of a problem for him. And so Vittori was smart by slowing the fight down that way. Again, dude, Vittori fought a good fight. He just didn't fight the kind of fight that I thought would give me the inspiration to say, oh, he can he can absolutely contend for a title in 2023. I didn't see that. Um, so Delize just needs to work, I think, a little bit more on, you know, uh, setting up from 50-50, right? Like, where are we here? How do I get in? How do I make that work? Because obviously he's got a big punch. He's dynamic as a finisher. He attacks on the ground, huge ground and pound. That's a great way for him. It's just that distance closing, bit of a challenge for him, bit of a challenge. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, yeah. All right, BC, we wrap up all things on UFC 286 with the following point number five. Tell me anyone else, anyone else at UFC 286 who, in your mind, took a noticeable step up or a noticeable step down. 
Uh, Jack Shore had a nice comeback win in the new division at Featherweight there against Makwan Amir Khani. And uh, I think he challenged Ariel Hawani to a darts match afterwards here, Luke. But I'm really focusing in on the development coming off of the loss to Ricky Simone. Uh, not as bad of a weight cut for him. Second round submission via rear naked choke. Should we get back on the Jack Shore hype train? Because I liked what I saw there out of the uh, is he a Welshman, Luke? Is that the truth? Jack Shore, I believe, is a Welshman. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you know, I've been adopted by them. So I, I, I see something in him. Um, uh, do you, do you like him as a featherweight now? Um, I didn't get a great read about that in beating Amir Khani. Okay. I don't know how much that tells me. It's a nice win. Get back in the win column. Like I'm not bashing it, but it's like, what does that mean for his future at 145? Beating uh, Amir Khani in 2023 doesn't tell us much. Um, so. I, 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 if you're asking me, do I have like a high degree of confidence in his abilities? Yes, I think he's very talented. But let's see, let's see is sort of my answer. Right. There. I think I uh, can BC win okay bet if I focus all my picks in the future on the UFC's uh, women's strawweight and flyweight divisions. Look, because I do well, have an yeah, you might. Because I actually was going to say my answer was Jennifer Maya beating Casey O'Neill, dude. Jennifer Maya on the feet just looked way better. Yeah, just way better. She had better movement, better accuracy. She was getting off first. She was hitting in combination. She was getting off first and then getting off at angles. Like O'Neal, I I still have. Like, it's not like I don't. I think O'Neal some kind of got terrible future or is a bad fighter. No, none of that. She just ran into someone that night who you could tell. BC, do I think Maya's the best fighter in that weight class? No, I don't think she's the best fighter in that weight class. But she is clearly experienced. You can tell this is a fighter who's had some good fights, had some bad ones, had some tough competition, had some easy ones. Like just done a lot of stuff in her career, knows how to build her own game plan, had a great one for this contest, and executed it, and executed it over the full distance, no problems. I was very impressed by my. I thought that was one of your better picks of the card in general, or the OK Bet Thank segment. You. And yeah. uh, she looked great. She looked great. I think she struggles at time with fighters who have a, a quick, accurate and, and plentiful jab, you know, and and Caitlin Chukagian, who she's lost to twice, gave her a lot of problems with the footwork and sort of setting up strikes. And, you know, we've seen her lose to Valentina. We've seen her lose at the high level before, but uh she didn't even rely on her ground game, Luke, which can be a strong suit. And we saw her certainly challenge Shevchenko with that. She's 34 years old right now. She's, she's proved in this fight that she's still she's still alive in this game. And, and, it, and it was the improvement of her boxing and head movement. You said in learning how to make the right hand a weapon, I thought a few times she gave, you know, Casey O'Neill pause in trying to rush forward and be the aggressive King Casey that she's known for. But this was the, the, the first fight after a long layoff and a serious injury for O'Neill didn't fight awful, take the loss advance, learn from it. But yeah, big win for Jennifer Maya there. And, and um, Luca on, on the same lane of talking, I don't know if Muhammad Mukayev is ever going to walk again, but he's a flyweight future title challenger without question at age 22. You in on you in with this on me? Not yet, not yet. Okay. Um, okay. And again, I'm, that's not a no, because if I if, okay. I if I if I if I was really down, I'd be like, no. So not yet. He clearly has a lot of ability. He gets the finish here. That was really nice. Again, we, you thought he was going to win. I thought he was going to win. You thought he was going to not go the distance. Same here. Like we were very much uh, in. in in sync with that but he's so young he's still got some control issues like there's just a lot of pieces of his game that in some ways are developed but you know bc i was talking to this with someone else the thing with mokayev and me it's because he is so young it almost feels like one of the like like a really talented kids at uh, at the adult class where like he does have a lot of the skills and maybe more so than some of these other ones but it almost feels like he quite can't 
he can't quite excuse me physically impose them with the same thing because like he's 16 and the people in the kids class or the men's class are like 25 uh, the, you know what i'm saying like it, he's got a lot of the skills but he seems to not be able to like physically impose them in the way that maybe he might be able to at age 26 27 when he's Fair full point. grown man strength not a finished that's, product that's my only was thing. in was in huge trouble there with that knee bar but his ability to turn that around luke and and, and get the win and Damn, that's that's it's an interesting fighter right there. I'm looking in and look, uh, a lot of people want to see him go up against somebody who had a big win on this card. Local product Jake Hadley had that first round knockout of Malcolm Gordon. Were you moved by the long term potential there of that uh, of that UK bloke? That was one of the fights I was not able to see. So I'm gonna I'm gonna chamber that round and wait yeah. till I see uh, what the fight. Keep it like. in the chamber pot, Luke. Okay, <laughs> yeah. In the yeah. old chamber pot. Uh, also, Luke, uh, can we also shout out uh, uh, Team Hardy? Because that was after three years off for old uh, Veronica Maicedo, now turned Hardy, wife of Dan, against Killer Miller. Dude, that was a that was a gutsy win, man. It's a gutsy ass win from old Veronica. Yeah. There, uh, the thing is, I, years old, I, and I picked Miller to win, and I was now I'm like really regretting it. On tape, man, her movement looked really. Like she just hadn't had a whole lot of time training striking on the ground. We talked about her ground game. She has, yeah. she has the win over uh, Mosquita in EBI rules. And I was like, okay, well, then she'll just be able to do that. Nope, nope, couldn't get it done. Not at all. So great win. I think by, Miller uh, got popped early and never recovered, Luke. And she tried yeah. hard to challenge on the ground and make some things happen. And she did land some good combinations at times, but um, the technique of Hardy was just to, an, to another level. And, and again, considering three years off, interesting long-term player in this division if she can stack some wins together and continue to grow luke because she's no got about it she's got great ground game you know she's she she's a student she, of the and game, also clear. she has more she had much more experience than miller too which is something yeah. i should have more readily recognized you know you win some you lose some but uh, yeah that was a good win by her for sure so congratulations to team hardy on that one uh all right bc it is time for no longer you and me to ask each other questions it's time for the yeah. donks we put up social posts every sunday people fill them up the producers pick them it's time for your old dms from the diggity donks let's do it <laughs> which member of the malka staff made those sound effects do you think uh ashley all right here we go oh, i was gonna say and were they in the uh, were they were they in the uh in the bathroom when they did luke oh, but now that changed the equation sorry Ashley. all right sorry. bc first question from at amy kusel q kuchol however the fuck you say that uh bc what did luke make of bc's brilliant end to the post-fight reaction for ufc 286 so what am i missing i did not see i saw the first five minutes of your reaction not the last five what happened well i tried to keep the train on the tracks throughout the uh throughout the uh the show luke because i'm trying to be you you know what i mean i look up to you luke no one does instant analysis <laughs> better than you and you know and i tried to keep the the skits and bits on the down low but i you know it fell off the tracks down the stretch and i was i think i said that you know luke will be back on monday but knowing him you know you'll probably see him post something on his personal channel you know and he'll probably charge you for it but luke now i'm charging people for it on camp i was about Ryan to say you you here. really yeah. just <laughs> mocked me for my live chat and then you turned into a cameo whore you I really did. have no it's fucking just, ground to stand it's on. It's not my fault, though. My buddy Lupe Contreras, you know, Lupe, Luke, but great yeah, boxing yeah, yeah. announcer. MMA yeah, announcer as well with Combate. Uh, he was like, hey, man, I think you'd be good on this. And, you know, I, li I like connecting with our people, Luke. So cameo.com slash Brian Campbell. Uh, it's, you know, it's a good deal, especially if you're used to paying super chat prices. But, Luke, um, you know, that was me filling in there for you on the old MMA breakdowns. You can take that job back. I mean, it's not easy. All right. 
Very good. All right, BC, at It's Not Cage Fighting. Assuming he gets the Leon fight, where would Colby rank among the most undeserved title shots in UFC history? Now, that's a great question. All right. Let, what, um, what is the shortlist poll? Is it Dan Henderson at UFC 204? Is that the is that the first reference? That's a or big one. There... You could even do Couture uh, going up against Sylvia, right? Because remember, Couture gets knocked out at light heavyweight, retires, takes, I don't know how long off it was, maybe a year or two. I can't remember. I, I can go double check. But there's a time off where he's like done. He's like, I'm going to come out of retirement. I want to fight at heavyweight. And UFC's like, fuck it. You can be in a title fight that one weren't they, tr- weren't they secretly trying to get him like knocked out because they were always like, at odds with him business wise there could have been that it ended up blowing up in their fucking face if they thought that but um that's a big one there's been there's been some several ones all but right. uh all right. how about um how about this how about jose aldo after the split decision loss to marlon Moraes, which i don't think was a robbery i thought Moraes did enough in a close fight right for him to then get lost a, yeah a title shot in his next fight did not love that. And how about Holly Holm, fresh off of losses to Misha Tate for the title and Valentina Shevchenko, got the inaugural featherweight title opportunity against yeah. Jermaine Durandamy, uh when yeah. Cyborg couldn't make it. Uh, I didn't love that either. Yeah, so he's – it's hard to say because he's not coming off of a loss. He's coming off of a win, and his last win is over a ranked contender. So it wouldn't be as bad as some of those, but it's still not great. It's still okay, not but great. dude – I, I don't know how I turned into Colby supporter here because I, I do remember the name, but his only losses in eight years are to Kamara Usman as champion in very close fights. Can we not like that is a part of it, right? Like, come on. So we're going to give him a title shot because he lost well. <laughs> like, That's dude, it's who exactly you fucking beat. It's, it's supposed to be like, for example, for example, Canelo has a mandatory coming up against John Ryder. Now, uh, I don't know what belt that's for, but whatever sanctioning body. How about all four super middleweight world titles? Yeah, but one. you're right. One of the sanctioning bodies made him the mandatory. Yeah. Right. And so he got that, in theory, that mandatory status because he had to beat enough guys to get there. Yes. Like, Colby just is not the mandatory fucking challenger here. Like, not, 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 not at all. Not, so. not, 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 yeah. All right, uh, BC from at Keith underscore Hickey underscore 90. Looking back, do you think Usman moving to work with Whitman actually had a negative effect on his style? No denying Whitman is one of the best coaches in the business, but does it highlight just how important it is to find a coach that meshes with your style? Okay, I want to jump on this. I got to say, BC, I don't buy this reasoning at all. I saw a lot of people saying, man, shout out to Henry Hoof, who made, you know, Usman a dominant champion. I think Trevor Whitman allowed Usman, and, and let's be fair, was it the timing because he was supposed to be fighting Gilbert Burns and they were teammates, so he went, he got a new trainer for that, or was that before that? Like, I'm trying to think of the timing of when Trevor Whitman came into his life. It was during Something that like that. I can't remember anymore, but in general. Did Trevor yeah. Whitman elevate, help, help elevate Usman's game, especially rounding out some parts of his striking that allowed him to ultimately become the pound-for-pound pound king? The answer is yes. But similar to the question I asked you about, can you actually sustain a wrestling heavy style in a weight class like this in your mid to late thirties? Did he go away from some of the elements that made him consistently great and dominant? Yeah. Yeah. Luke. Um, Mikey jumping in Mikey, our producer, Mike Mormal saying Trevor Whitman made Kamaru too confident in his striking. That might actually be it. Luke, that might be it. You know what I mean? Like, did he abandon wrestling? No. But again, Luke, I thought there was, I didn't, there was no like 
variety to his takedown attempts here in this fight. It was very much like I'm going to back you up into the cage and then shoot instantly shoot a double leg and try to just drag you down. I'm not saying that doesn't work in key in key parts, but where's the using the striking to set up the takedown threat? That wasn't there. We've been over we've been over this. We've been over we've been over this. He tried 15 times, dude. He tried 15 fucking times. Um I I just don't think people are really giving Leon no, the Leon credit he deserves the shit for taking them, those but, but it's more it? than just stuffing them. If I can destabilize the conditions before they begin, there is no takedown really available or there's a shitty setup that you can try and grasp for. I think that's what folks are missing. Yes, the takedown defense was nice. It was very good. But it's more than that. It's more than I'm not even going to give you conditions where you typically shoot from because I know what they are and I'm just going to take those away. Like you do that, it makes it fucking hard. Now, to that point, to that point where Colby might be more interesting is Colby might be like, look, I'm really not going to strike with this fucking guy at all. I'm just going to go balls out, bonanza, wrestle, 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 wrestle. And that might work for a while, but I think even then he will find his comeuppance uh, ultimately. So we shall see. Look, people see. abandon their wrestling once they get their striking up to a certain level. And it's it's not always the best the best choice. That's it's true. Not always. That's true. That's true. I can't deny that. That's definitely true. I mean, true. Tyron Woodley stopped wrestling, right? At a certain point. It worked for a while. Yes, but also you get older and your capacity to wrestle like that also diminishes, you know. That's so that's where it's I'm like I'm asking you once again, did Habib get out exactly on time, Luke? Yes or no? No, he still could have beaten the people except I mean, I, he wouldn't fight Islam, but he could have beaten the other guys besides him. I think he would have whooped up on Charles. Uh all right. BC from our good friend, Telvin Kipapa. He asks, "Oh, Hawaii I guess it's zone, a new yeah. uh, I guess it's a new meme like sea level cane. Does yeah. nose breathing Gaethje <laughs> fall under the category of MMA mythology of sea level cane motivated BJ and Luke's favorite TRT? So Buffer? He's not I my haven't favorite, heard this. But, uh, okay. Is this as opposed to mouth breathing Gaethje? Can you explain this? I haven't heard this. I didn't know that nose breathing Gaethje was a thing, but I'm going to guess that he was breathing through his nose this time in a way that was like designed to control his emotions and his breathing and energy resources. And maybe that made a difference. I, I was well, watching it on my fixed. iPad. So. Mikey says he got his nose fixed before the fight. Luke. That's uh, what we were well, missing. see, I had no surgery too, and it didn't really work. So I'm, I'm less, I'm less uh, confident that that's a, a huge determinant. Look, people have said, and I know you're not going to like to hear this, but people have said that along with C level Kane motivated BJ um, TRT Belfort, that when Luke Thomas enters an MK episode, you know, willing to sell, willing to give and take, willing to have fun in, in the old barnyard. The, the 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 entertainment possibilities are limitless that's true that's true yeah that's true uh all right bc last but not least at josh herbold 92 without necessarily naming names can you confirm that there are well-known fighters in boxing and mma that blatantly lie about their height is this a, is this a long setup for some type of PF Chang's Joe Rogan joke? Because if it is, look, I'm not playing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not biting down. <laughs> I think. Right? I think I'm you just did. That. I think you I'm just not did. Doing that, okay? Uh, um, doesn't everybody BC, lie do they about, lie their, about height? their height? Dude, there's things that people lie about all the time. Women will lie about their age, right? Oh, here we go. They'll lie about how many partners they had, right? Yeah. And men will lie about their height. That's those are the three things that are guaranteed, right? I mean, I'm 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 an exception. People are always like, BC, man, you're so much taller than I thought. What are you, six three, six four? I'm like, no, I'm six one and a half, Luke. That's all it is. Six one and a half. That's all you're getting from me. Okay. I know who I am, Luke. All right. 
Well, the thing about their height that I don't understand is like, dude, the commission will take it or the promotion will take it. So like the promotion might say it's something, but like, I, I don't know if fighters like going around being like, I'm actually six, seven, but I tell the world I'm six, six, two. It's like, motherfucker, we know you're basketball. not six, two. Remember when Byron Houston of Oklahoma state in 92 was at one point expected to be a lottery pick at power four. Then they actually measured him for the NBA draft camps. And they're like, Oh, this guy's six, four. And he's not necessarily Charles Barkley. Same thing, you know, that happens to young to point guards, Luke, that are try to put six feet even when you know they're like five eleven, you know, five ten and a half, right? Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I've never heard of fighters in MMA or boxing trying to lie about their height. I've just never, I've never really encountered that. I don't think. Are you right? six foot four, Luke? Is that the truth? Yeah, I've been no, I've been measured multiple times because I was in the military, seventy six inches in height. Yeah, six four. All right, wow. Shoeless. All right. I just have like shit posture, but yeah, I'm six foot four. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, the, who, Josh Herbals, that's the guy's name. Herbals in your mouth, everybody from the north end to the south, right? Remember that song? Weevils wobble, but they don't fall down. Wicka, wicka, wicka. Or, yeah, that's, you, a, Luke, that's all, a all the rap song. songs you like are like the least relevant ones ever written. I just want to point out. They're that all out. white guys, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, the third base part was too. fantastic. Although, BC, hey, I got to tell you. Well, you know who's at that concert? A lot of white Pennsylvanians. Let me say that. A yeah. lot, lot, lot of dudes who wear hoodies and have neck beards. That was that was me hente on Saturday. All right, Luke. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, what did, is this? Was this like a Vinnie Paz go away tour? Like this is the last yeah. time you'll get to see me? Yeah. So he, uh, uh, well, it, technically it was Jedi Mind Tricks. It was not because Vinnie has his own stuff, although he played solo stuff. But it, technically it was the group. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's his last tour. He's done touring. They don't want to do it anymore. I mean, he might have a performance here or there, but yeah, that's it. I want to give you a compliment because I know you don't typically DM with the fans, Luke, but they, they DM me a lot. And although people think your rock tastes are largely abhorrent, I've been told many times that your taste in hip hop is like, hipster good ass shit luke like i try you man. Know, i try like you know what's good luke you know you know i i i can say i respect that out of you okay i try i try i had a i, I really enjoyed the show um you know the guy who met me who's nice I just wish he could have been like hey you can leave off the preamble of how the world wants to set my balls on fire thank you i appreciate that <laughs> All right. Like seriously, who does that? Who does who goes up to someone's like, "Yo, man, nice to meet you." I mean, yeah, you know, listen, the rest of the world wants to uh, put a pole axe up your rear end and uh, yeah. spin you around uh, like a like a top, but you know, other than that, you think you're okay. I mean, look, you, what you're going to find in this world is that you know you can't please everyone, uh, so you've got to that. please yourself, Luke, and that's why your search history is a disgusting mess. <laughs> that's that's why on the airport <laughs> yeah. bathrooms, just don't go in after me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, all right. All right. Uh, BC, that's it for me. You want to take it away with BC's feces, please? Yeah, here we go. I, I scoured the globe. Uh, There's a small batch, right? Small batch here. Mikey's on the yeah, ones and twos here. Uh, great, great small batch, though. Uh, the highs and lows, the good, bad, the ugly, the in-between, combat sports and beyond. We call this. Have you seen this shit? Oh God. Oh God. Luke, uh, let's, so let's start off here. This is actually like a reaction a bit to news here. Do you remember last week when we played up the extended Twitter battle between USADA and Conor McGregor that, that stemmed from the appearance on the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani? Luke? I certainly do. Dana White, UFC president was asked this week oh, this about that rivalry. 
Yeah, let's hear it. And uh, speaking of Connor, it seems like there's a bit of a misunderstanding between him and USADA. You know, he said two tests and I'll be back. USADA put out a statement and said six months of testing as it usually is. Can we see an exemption for Connor or is it? I have no idea. I don't pay any attention to that shit. That's not my job anymore, man. And I'm happy to be out of it. Talk to USADA. I have no idea. I, I, I want nothing to do with the whole drug testing side of this business. Ah, not my job, not my, uh, not my circus. Uh, guys, circus. guys, I can't even be suspended for half a day lest this company suffer without my vigilant oversight. But uh, when it comes to drug testing our athletes, I'm not involved. Okay, he was asked All again right. at the post press conference, and he just kept saying, "Jeff, Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff Nowitzki. You guys know him. Reach out to him. He'll he'll give you all the yeah. answers." Here's the answer. Connor's going to steamroll USADA to doing what Connor wants. So there's yes. your answer. And you're going to make a lot of money off of that pay-per-view and probably charge $500 for the worst seat in the arena, Luke. That's how this business works. But to just, as the president of the company, to just be like, you know what? I don't know anything about that shit and I don't <laughs> want to. So why don't you go dial up somebody else? That's great, dude. That's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, UFC 286 from London time. Luke, listen to the sound of this Veronica Hardy head kick. Here to land. Oh, she's hurt. Massive shot from Hardy up top. Miller's hurt bad. Um, dude, you see how Miller just walks into range and then look how she holds her hands like this. You know, it's like, uh, it's not like I'm better. I'm not saying I'm yeah. better. I'm not a coach. I'm not saying I'm a coach. I'm just saying this uh, in straight lines is going to cause problems. It's going to cause problems. I don't know if people were able to hear that because it seemed like I heard it. It was loud. Play, play it oh, one more time. Miller appeared to land. Miller's hurt bad. Yo, Miller's tough as shit, bro. Tough as shit. Because she moved into it too, right? It wasn't like she yeah. was leaning back and it caught her. She was coming right. Dude, tough, tough lady, tough lady. Look, you know what comedic impression is lingering in my head? Paul Craig. By the way, Paul Craig was sitting behind Arnold Allen in the arena. That, that when they that, I bet you they talked about room service diaries. Look, I, I hope they so. Did. They were fantastic. I bet they um, did. Do you remember when Paul Craig was doing the Mike Perry bit? And he was like, let's fucking go, Scotland. Look, that's <laughs> what does. I was feeling when Scotland's own Chris Duncan showed up at the weigh-in. Check it out. Oh, look at the blue. Did Mike Perry uh, tell him too? I hope so. I, he he what, has a blue dude, fist too. Dude, it would be amazing if it, he's got a kilt in his hand or something. Ah, that's it. Uh, that's it would be amazing if every Scottish guy who wore blue was because Mike Perry like DM'd him and was like, listen, yeah, that I know what works for the Scots. <laughs> okay. Jojo Calderwood's like, we won't get out of my DMs. He wants me to paint myself. You know what I mean? It's great. You know, is she what? Isn't she too a Scottish or no? She she's yeah, she's one hundred percent Scottish. Yep. All right, mm -hmm. all right. She had a actually she had a big comeback win on, on Saturday. She had a I nice win. Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, um, Dan Hardy posted a picture with John Wood, who is the the who runs Syndicate and is married to Joanne, formerly Calderwood, now just Wood. Yeah. Uh, and he posted a picture with them two, and then himself and Veronica Macedo slash Veronica Hardy, and he wrote um, "Team Husband" <laughs> as the caption. <laughs> I was like, "Yep." Uh, Luke Kamaru Usman, as I mentioned, tried to in, in, intimidate uh, Leon Edwards at the start of this fight. What do you rank uh, Leon's reaction of the handgun gesture with the uh, with the? Oh, I mean, pretty... <laughs> you know what? I never saw that in real time. Oh, that is sick. Yo, I love that. I yeah. love that from Leon. That is Dude, great. he had a counter. 
for everything Kamaru had on this night. Seriously, everything. Do you remember when Alu- Izzy like did the second uh, when the in the second Whitaker fight when they met in the middle and then uh, Whitaker stuck out his hand and Izzy went dun, dun, and then like did like uh, like I think it was like paper beats rock or whatever it was and then just grabbed it. You know, like just little shit like that where guys are just not intimidated by the moment at all. Oh, yeah, definitely. Luke, Justin Gaethje wasn't intimidated by this celebration. What would happen to your body if you tried this, Luke? Oh, man. God, you'd never walk again. He almost he almost yeah, bit the per- land per- Paralysis is the yeah. answer. Paralysis. <laughs> well, Mohammed Mokayev may never walk again, Luke. We saw how he survived that nasty knee bar attempt against Fuelhole. But this was him warming up before the fight. Now we know why that flexibility was allowed. Dude, I would love to put my, uh, my, is that his grundle? I'd love to put my grundle flat on the ground like that. How long would I have to get into stretching to be able to do that? How long? I wish I could do this and then put all of like your toothbrush, your cutlery, just all underneath my satchel and then rub testicle grease all over it. I mean, I mean, this is a big graphic, but you know. Yeah, that's very graphic. Luke, you know, Steve uh, Aoki, the DJ, you know, that famous guy, right? Yes, yes. I think he's got he's a in bit Vegas where all he, the time where he cakes people. Did you see this footage? Check this out. The fuck? <laughs> Yo, dude, we need a bit like that at our live shows, Luke. Where people bring signs that say like KBC, like you know, piss on me or something like yo, mo, yo, not, not that type of concert, okay? But something like that, Luke. Okay, dude, that is amazing. I would love to kick someone like that. That is great. I what love if we it. had a bit where people come up to the stage and like, Luke, blow incredible vape smoke at me with designs, so it just engulfs me, right? You know, I had an idea in college when we lived in the fraternity house that I was gonna um, buy a chimpanzee and then teach it to throw feces at only one fraternity member so that way he would always have to clean it up obviously this idea never came to fruition but i yeah. i still think of it all the time another reason to avoid fraternities sororities <laughs> and all other uh selective clubs of that nature by the way luke last night and i uh my wife and i were watching tv and it was like you know one of her shows that i was sitting in with her on it's uh all American 90 day homecoming. fiance or something no all american homecoming it's like this college drama show and uh you know they were they were having frat and and sorority like pledge week and you know they're going through these rituals and being treated like slaves and i'm just like man this sucks and she's and she gave the exact responses that you always do she's like yeah easy for you to say college dropout right (laughs) dude your own wife is roasting you with that shit that's great i I like her already yeah, all right. There you go. Uh, Luke, I found a video that perfectly describes every time a P.F. Chang's reference tries to get snuck through MK security. Here we go. Hey, this homeless you. woman's crotch I could have done without. But other than <laughs> that, you in that scenario, you know, it's always like there's this know, woman. This woman was living in a van down by the river, quite literally. <laughs> and they're like, hey, let's just look at her unwashed crotch. Well, okay. She, all used, right. she probably used to be a BBL back in her day. But Luke, she got knocked out by that. Here's your real knockouts of the week. Let's start in ACA 154. This is Leonardo Silva. Oh, he walks into it. Guy in the green. Watch this. Boop. 
Oh, shit. Just shut the lights off in one go. Yeah, don't yeah. bring your head back to the same place. Don't do that. Didn't that look like... Um... This is not a bit. Uh, Shab versus Rothwell had an ending like that. Okay, what? What? what why are we doing fifty thousand Shab bits today? What are I we? I said it's not. I just told you this is not a bit, didn't I? Can I make UFC history references to like the ending uh, of the fight? Is that? Is, that is it that similar? Or? Well, no. The thing is, okay, if we're being serious. The thing is, didn't Rothwell have follow up shots on the ground? Maybe, but he was getting lit up, two, and then maybe? he landed one big left you know they were throwing at the same oh, time oh and then he and fell was... yes 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 okay yes you're right you're right you're right i mean i'm i've i've graduated from skits and bits luke okay bc bc look at me you yes. you'll never graduate from skits and bits skits and bits is who you are it's who you are in your heart bro yeah i know i know uh disown boxing over the weekend here's jorge chavez luke check this out i gotta see this i didn't see any of this oof Oh, dude, he ate Ooh. that right hand flush. Yeah. Overhand right, left hook, pushes him off, left hook, bang. Oh. Yeah, that's over. Uh, sometimes the best knockouts, Luke, are before the fights, during the face-offs. Uh, this is Europe somewhere, right? Let's check this. this is... Oh, I mean, well, come on, fellas. Like... Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta you, know. you gotta protect yourself at all times, Luke, right? That's the deal. Oh boy. Wow. All right. Speaking of protecting yourself at all times, watch this highlight. <laughs> this I mean, is the sport allowed... of kings. This is the sport of kings. This guy is over to... here like concussion barfing, and then the guy just comes up and is like, fuck that, I'm gonna hit him. That's gonna say, should the referee like call time out if somebody's about to puke, or is that fair game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're puking. They, well, first of all, if you vomit in a fight, it's over. It's oh, the fight's over. Like done. So you know, my man, my man, the referee there just taking his sweet ass time to get over there. That was the rule at the dinner table when I was a kid, Luke. I could avoid the endless amounts of cucumber, raw cucumbers I had to eat as long as I puked. I, so I discovered. So I always discover new things about BC. So BC folks, I didn't realize this doesn't eat any melon of any kind, which would include honeydew, cantaloupe, watermelon. Do you eat mango? No, no. Do you drink mango juice close. even? So look at this. I wasn't tortured as a kid, Luke, but as about a second or third grader, my parents got, got a hold of this like book that was like vegetables and fruit, almost nothing else. You'll be the healthiest person of all time. And we lived that life for two years. So, you know, when you're a kid and you like sugar cereal and all kinds of, you know, Luke. And then the... Like, no, for two years, you're only going to eat like plates, just plates of chopped cube. It, 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 it took, you know, that's why when you and I go to the salad bar at Kava, Luke, I've got to tell them right away, get that cucumber out of there. And I don't want any pickles either because they're cucumbers in disguise, Luke. And that, you know, that's not easy to be the only kid at field day when the dessert is watermelon to be like, no, I don't eat that stuff, Luke. Well, watermelon's Sorry, delicious, and you have the palate of a toddler. It's okay. It's too close to cucumber with the seeds. It's disgusting. It's well, your I signal mean, is you fading, or is it just me? All right, there we go. Let's you. keep this show going. I got strong McDonald's Wi-Fi. I got like Taco Bell Wi-Fi at the moment here. Much stronger than McDonald's. Ooh. Uh, yo, so little 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 Hendo on Bizping 2.0 right here, right? So he drops him. 
Does he get on time? Bah, yeah, a little bit. Although, although Hendo oh, went like jumping and then left his own feet and then like came down, you know, like the hammer of Thor or something. By the way, if you're asking what's on my hand, it's temporary tattoos I got from my kid. I have a cow. Hashtag girl dad. That's what I'm talking about, dude. Kobe would have done the same I thing. I love that. Yep. Have a cow, have a cow uh, uh, Luke. Okay, Luke, I got a key question for you. How many white guys does it take to remove a tree branch? Just two, just two, Luke, is the answer, all right? <laughs> Dude, show that one again. Show that one again. Oh, yeah. Did you hear his friend? friend? Oh, Jesus Christ, Steve, what happened? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Steve, you two are ahead. fucking idiots. That's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. All right, hey, let's go down on the boardwalk, Luke. You know, down on the shore, down on the boardwalk. We were having some fun. This is definitely just, something I just. want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this is a true story. A true story. When I was in Turkey one time, man, there was like a big ass um, uh, soccer match there. It was uh, Galatasaray versus Fenerbahce. And I know you won't appreciate that, but trust me when I tell you, like Turkish football, the fans are known for like setting off flares at the events and shit like that. Like it's crazy. And there was a dude chasing another dude down the street. And I'm not making this up with a donor kebab sword the swords they use to cut these fucking yes. giant pieces of meat he was chasing a guy down the street with a donor kebab sword i was like yo turkey is for me uh how did you not have the same like religious experience you had attending that madrid game is it because those turkish teams are not as globally successful luke no i didn't go to the game itself we were in the area of galata which is in istanbul and so there was like um there was just partying every, I mean, the streets were full. It was like a street festival. And then as we made our way out, um, there are the, 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 the fans of the teams were greeting each other or at least running into each other. And, uh, yeah, it turned into a fucking nightmare. So for the, for, the, for that Luke, guy, this, for that guy, I like spinning meat. Spinning meat is very attractive. Luke, I would love to jump over and take a bite out of that there, but let's go to the, I do uh, love a good walk, hero. or walk pizza parlor, Luke, tell them your pizza is shit. You pay, a, you, there's a receipt for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dude, I, I, honestly, if someone told me this is how you pay for pizza in Jersey, I'd believe it. <laughs> Dude, if I was hanging out in there, I'd grab as many slices as I can just run. Yes. That'd be great. Yeah. Like, listen, I'm not, I, I'd like a slice of cheese with three uppercuts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luke, I realized I didn't have any elder abuse in this week's batch, so I, I found a greatest hit. Let's hit, let's hit one of our greatest hits all over again here. All right, all right. Oh, hit, hit, hit old grandma up with the crossover. <laughs> Yo, what's up, uh, bitch? Hey, granny broke your ankles and your hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that is it. All right. Uh, Luke, people ask me a lot, how do you warm up for MK each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? I, I got it on video. Here we go. <laughs> Instead of a heavy bag, though, it's just other women in line at Starbucks. Are, you, are we still okay? We're still here. I had Wi Fi. Yeah, we're right. here. There you we're go. here, fucker. That's great. Uh, Luke Chubb Rock on the it's called Shaquille O'Meal, and he is my new basketball hero. Yo, 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 Chubb Rock over here. Yo, oh, he hit him with pass. the no look. Wow. Yo, this big fella, does he got any ups? No, zero ups. He's just fishing the rock. <laughs> you don't though. need him. You don't need him, Luke. 
Look at that from way downtown. Dude, Bay. just draining in front of these fucking guys. He's he do he's the M him and the guy who drank a bunch uh are the MK mascots. Yeah. Also, was, BC, like, this guy would fucking torch you and I in a game of horse. Believe that. True, but his stamina's gotta be in question at this point. Oh, I mean, yeah. Then you have a coronary on the on the on the court. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's time for some nut shots. Let's hit it. You know, I love a good parkour fail once in a while, right? Ooh. Oh Yo, wow, fuck off. Oof. Yeah, Luke, I can't tell if this next Karma. nut shot Karma. was acci- accidental or or this is the beginning of a, of a close relationship. <laughs> you know, the black guy just ruined his balls with the parkour, but these two white gentlemen bumped into each other's balls oh how about this guy luke this guy's great look at that suit it's dude these kinds night. of parks like this oh. <laughs> oh, oh oh yeah wow right in the uh right in the back door there yikes you, you know what that's karma castigo divino that guy shouldn't be reproducing anyway he looks like a loser do you ever go to the mall in a shitty city on a weekday morning and like, if you're like, if you're like, you know, in your early twenties and you're real high and you have no other reason, but to go eat at Arby's and try to see if you can buy a CD or something. And there's a guy walking around in like a pimp suit, Luke, like with the cane and the hat, but like, it's the most elaborate dress suit you've ever seen. I'd love to know those guys' stories, how they got here, you know, what they're into. I, I, I don't even understand what you're talking about. I don't go to the mall at all. And if I did, I wouldn't eat at Arby's. I'm also not in my twenties. Yeah. And there's no guys in pimp suits so showing right. up to Pentagon City Mall. Yeah, sorry. I don't spend a lot of time in Waterbury, Connecticut in my life. Anything can happen. <laughs> hey, Luke, real recognizes real again as Gervonta Tank Davis and Denzel catch up at wow. NBA. Why is Denzel dressing like... I mean, is it cool to dress like a busboy like Joe Rogan? Now he, no, he dresses, like he, he dresses like he runs a hardware store. That is true. That is true. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. What what's your favorite Denzel role off the top of your head? Malcolm Training X. Day. Malcolm X. Malcolm X. How about Glo- him and Glory was amazing. Amazing. Luke. That's a great one. Um, you know, even smaller ones, they don't make movies like this anymore, but like Pelican Brief. Yeah. Like he killed it in that. Um The Equalizer. Uh, equal That's Equalizer's it. okay. I wasn't so into him on that role, you know. Uh, he okay. got game. How about he got game, dude? Yeah, he, he got he was, game. He, he fucking awesome, kills it man. and he got game. Yeah. Public Enemy on that soundtrack, too. Loved it. Uh, Luke, let's go to the gym. You know you've made fun of the lifting form of other former UFC fighters in the past. No skits here, dude. Back off. All right, Here's all right. former light heavyweight champion Tito Ortiz, Luke. Oh, Tito. Is that normal? No, that's <laughs> not normal. So here's just like a basic idea. Like Here's how you know it's messed up right there's like okay just as a basic rule to understand something right if i'm pulling this way right that is a meaningfully different pull than overhead pulling down but if i lean back far enough i can just turn it into a row you see the difference pull up row roll the video again roll the video again he's trying to do a pull up and ends up just doing a row you see that because he leans so far back yeah, he's huh? doing both at the same time, Luke. Well, it's no, he's he's on a piece of equipment that's designed to work a different part of your musculature than the one he's doing. And also, he's leaning back to throw the weight back so he can row it. It's like it's like 
it's like okay tito take about three notches off the plates and then just do it normally <laughs> like you're fucking supposed to uh look unbeaten boxer francis hogan made some uh made some noise at the weigh-in over the weekend by going okay. full banana hammock all right here. <laughs> all right i mean this thing in MMA where guys get stupid haircuts and then wear Borat swimsuits, it's just really got to go. So this it's is boxing. Just... This was in Boston at the same card put on by... Combat uh, Sports. Combat Sports. Same Tom thing. Tom Loeffler uh, that was on USC Fight Pass. I think Callum Walsh was the name of the guy in the main event. Luke, Dana was there. And did you hear that he told the Sports Business Journal this weekend, Dana White, that Zufa Boxing is, in fact, not dead. And Dana, once again, has plans to make some noise and make big fights in the boxing game. Your thoughts? If you never quit, it's never dead, right? It's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, it's not, it's uh, not really alive either, but you know, yeah. Uh, I got some food fair for you, Luke. Would you, would you, would you take this thing down at the County fair? <laughs> not with Mayo. <laughs> Not with the secret sauce, Luke. Yeah, yeah I mean, right, maybe a little mustard or ketchup, but I, you know, that's about it. We close this week's shit with the award-winning segment, sub-segment, not brought to you by Mamitas. It's called Rate That Tat, Luke. Here we Ooh. go. This is for bald guys. What do you think about this idea? Okay, what the fuck are we doing? Isn't that what LeBron did to fix his widow's peak, Luke? I don't think LeBron did this. <laughs> I'll rate that a fucking negative eight billion. I mean, right. what has this person done? Uh, Dude, people storm, do some dumb shit, the man. the steps of the Capitol on January 6th, Luke. Okay, what else have you done in your life? I mean, seriously. I mean, there's, I there's no way that this guy was like, you know, a Fields Medal winner or... Uh, yes. yes. You know? it's like the no it's like the Nobel Prize. They only give it out every four years, though, Luke. That's what they oh, This say. is actually coming along nicely. Yeah, rate this back, Tad. Let's let's check this thing out. Well, what it's unfinished, so you'll be a little bit hard to do that. But this one's coming along. The 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 the, the snake looks pretty good. I don't think the, it's unfinished. Look at look at the horns. There's some negative. No, the space horns there. are unfinished, right? They have to be. They could. What if it's just negative white? What if it's just pale white skin, Luke? Then it's not so great. But assuming he's going to finish it, this one's got a little bit of promise to it. I mean, I would never get also a, snake a man's on ass. My ass crack. Yeah, I mean, this is great. Finally, Luke, our final tattoo for you to rate actually combines two of our favorite things together meet Ooh. me in the middle here luke uh this is okay not great it's not bad um the arms are a little bit out of proportion for the body and the head so there's some proportion issues um and her feet get a little bit weird at the at the ankle how the ankle is like all the way up by her calf that's a little weird i mean thematically but, luke okay this is a bbl hot dog tattoo i mean come on yeah bro. short of that though it's okay it's it's i would call this tattoo like decent not great what flag is that I, I, okay so it looked like it was on its way to being the chicago flag which it might be because of the dog at the top but the yeah. chicago flag has four red stars if i'm not mistaken so i don't know all right, there you go. That's your shit of the week. Thanks to Mikey Mormal for picking the kernels there out of the feces. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next Monday with more. And, of course, morningcombat at gmail.com gets you entry into Wednesday's fan submissions and Friday's dead wrong. All right, let's remind everyone here very quickly. Uh, you can email the show for Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's dead wrong. We are going to have a Wednesday show at home, and then we'll be on the road for Friday's show in Las Vegas. But uh, morningcombat at gmail.com, morningcombat at gmail.com. The producers will see it. Brian and I will not, so just keep that in mind. Showtime.com is the label that pays. You get a Showtime.com 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can't bounce. But, of course, for Saturdays, 
Plant versus Benavidez, showtime.com slash PPV. You can go ahead and order that now. And then uh, merch, BC, morningcombat.store, all the good stuff therein. Anything else that we need to re remind folks? Yeah, oh, uh, YouTube. Vote for us you if you can. We forgot to do that at the top of the show, oh, right? Oh, yeah, vote for us. Uh, sportspodcastgroup.com. They have launched the uh, nominees in all of their categories. We are up for best sports combat podcast for the second straight year. We'll see what happens with a lot of heavy hitters this year going up against us. Luke, I wanted to mention quick that youtube.com slash morningcombat is where we have our extras are in betweens our bonus content that allows me to accurately say mk all day nearly every day and i took the kids yesterday luke to creed 3 and imax i did okay the thing. let's hear it let's hear it well don't spoil I, I think, don't spoil i think i'm going to put it out on a separate video and rank all nine oh rocky God. and creed movies together um, not under the normal ranking system I do of like, what's the most rewatchable. So I'm always like, dude, Rocky three and four, man. But I'm really going to look at it as what is the best films in order in this great genre. Luke, I, I, I liked, I liked Creed three. It was great with my kids. It was fun. Giant IMAX theater was, it was good, but, um, yeah, I'll have more content on that tomorrow. Thank you. Awesome. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be great. All right. So we'll have that for you at youtube.com slash morning combat. And uh, yeah, all the socials. Give us a follow on all the places, Instagram, TikTok, wherever, wherever the fuck you see it. Give us a nice follow there if you'd be so kind. Uh, thanks to Mikey. Great job on the ones and twos today. Really appreciate that. Back on Wednesday, live at 11. And that's it for us. So for Brian Campbell, for Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, the great Mikey Morms did a great job today. We're out. We'll see you on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.